Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. Nice to have you with us today. As always, we begin our program with the latest on health and healing. This is a study out of Spain, major university, Roberta uh, University. And what it does, it takes a look at ginseng. Yes, the ancient Chinese herb, also used in South Korea and Japan. And what does it do? Well, it speeds up recovery and reduces muscle fatigue after you exercise. They looked at 700 studies, wow, and they found that the use of ginseng as a nutritional supplement can help the body recover from physical exercise, improve performance, and stave off injury. And that is terrific. And you're looking at thousands, hundreds of thousands of people participating in these 700 studies. So that's good news. Just make sure that you get your ginseng each day. Korean red ginseng is probably the best. Now from the University of California at San Francisco, a small amount, let's say 20 milligrams of zinc a day, reduces your DNA damage. Scientists have suggested a modest increase in dietary zinc. Even four milligrams of extra zinc in your daily diet could dramatically improve cellular health and reduce your DNA damage. And why do you die? Why do you get old? Why do you get sick? Your DNA is damaged and it can't be repaired if you're not really doing all you should do. So just adding an extra four milligrams of zinc daily can dramatically improve cellular health and keep that wear and tear on the DNA at bay. And that's very, very important. Now our next study comes from Yale University. And it's about the unsaturated fats in your diet can help control damaging bouts of inflammation and colitis. Now colitis is very painful. And by the way, very common, especially in people who are physically stressed and mentally stressed. And an overly robust immune response to usually harmless germs has been linked to colitis. And that is a severe inflammation of the colon that affects millions of people worldwide. A new Yale-led study not only reveals that the presence of one class of fatty acids is the hidden villain that quietly triggers this inflammation, but also found that another group of fats, unsaturated fats, such as those found in olive oil, alleviate the symptoms of colitis. The what are called cytokine, C-Y-T-O-K-I-N-E, interleukin-10, is part of the innate immune system. It's essential for suppressing inflammation in the gut. In fact, children born with, without it need bone marrow transplants, which can produce the cytokine in order to survive. In the new study, UCLA and Yale found that the absence of this leads to reorganization of your immune cells. Anyhow, it's a little complicated, but uh, just say start having extra virgin olive oil. One to two teaspoons a day can make a difference. And from the University of Canzaro in Italy, can yoga effectively treat chronic back pain? Well, new research published in the Journal of Orthopedic Research suggests that the physical postures, breathing exercises, and mindful practice of yoga may benefit individuals with back pain. Good news, all right? 
After just eight sessions over four weeks, there was a substantial improvement in back pain. All right, and finally, from the University of Utah, families of men with fertility problems showed distinct patterns of increased risk of several types of cancer. For the first time, researchers have identified patterns of risk for several different types of cancer in men with fertility problems in their families. The study, which is in the human reproduction uh, study, found that families of men who have very few or no sperm in their semen have a higher risk of developing cancer, including even young men, compared to families that are fertile. So that's good to know. But then what can cause a lack of fertility? Well, how about alcohol? That's terrible for the production of sperm. It can cause defective sperm. And let's just say that that defective sperm is the one that is able to connect with the egg and you have, and then you have birth, well, then you're going to end up more often than not with miscarriage, a, some form of birth defect. So you need, uh, you need healthy sperm. And also, uh, poor diet, uh, all kinds of environmental factors can disrupt healthy sperm. But I'm going to be doing a classroom on the air for couples who want to have an intentional uh, pregnancy, but how you go through cleansing and detoxifying, rejuvenating the body so you maximize the chance of having a healthy conception. All right? Oh, and by the way, one last thing, and this is from the Belrad Institute of Radiation Study in Belarus. Apple extracts remove radiation. Yes, Chernobyl survivors show protection potential among nuclear fears. Now, Chernobyl was back in 1986 when the nuclear power plant catastrophe blanketed surrounding areas with dangerous radiation particles such as cesium-137 and its decades-long persistence inside the body steadily inflicts tissue damage. Decades, uh, years later, in neighboring Belarus, children's health still suffers, burdened with chronic um, 137C contamination from local food and milk. Mind you, when radiation goes out, it has to go somewhere and it drifts in the air. It can drift thousands of miles and then it settles into the water and into the soil. But there might be four or 5,000 years before it's finally biodegraded down. That means that all of the things that are grown in that soil are contaminated. So, what they found is that to reduce this internal radiation, a purified fiber extracted from apples. Yes, it's that simple. Children and teens from high cesium regions of Belarus showing signs of radiation-linked cardiovascular illness took daily oral apple pectin powder. Control groups consumed an inactive, look-alike placebo powder. After just 16 days, Pectin takers, I, I, the uh, I-137C body concentrations dropped by almost 62%. Wow. Remarkably, for kids already eating non-contaminated foods, pectin still accelerated cesium excretion. It excretes it out of the body. How about that? Well, how about all the soldiers around the world using depleted uranium in their bullets? You know, that's 
that's not depleted. That's still very active, and we've seen it. So everybody should be getting more apple pectin, and you can get it by blending apples in a blender. You're getting also quercetin, very powerful antioxidant, and that helps heal bruises faster and helps with varicosities, improves circulation. It's great for the immune system. It's antiviral. So an apple a day is good. Two or three in a blender, and then drink that throughout the day with all that apple pectin, that's terrific. Now, if you know that you have had radiation from any source, then I suggest you purchase some apple pectin powder. It really gives you a lot, and without the fiber. And that way you can help cleanse that back uh, that radiation out of the body. Just something new. That's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break. And remember, today is the day for you to call in and share your thoughts and questions and issues. Our talkback number is 888-874-4888. That's 888-874-4888. And if you don't have a question, or maybe you hear the program at night, and by the way, about 98% of the people listen to the program at night. And uh, our last profile done showed that the average listener to the Gary and All Show is 37 years old, a college graduate, interested in health, and listening at home at night. So that gives you an idea. But we have people 100 years old or close to it uh, listening, and young people as well, teenagers listening. And all over the world, Hey, and for that guy in Qatar uh, who is asking questions, we're reaching out everywhere because we're heard everywhere with the number one progressive radio program in the world. And by the way, go to GaryAndAll.com and you'll see how you can sign up for the once a week free newsletter or for a small fee, five days a week with not just all the health and nutrition information, but chapters out of books that are coming up and but not yet out and uh, invitations to documentaries, screenings, all kinds of good stuff. Stay with us. We've got a lot of interesting stuff coming at you. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. And the rest of the program, with the exception of a clip we're going to play right now, is your turn to share your insights on anything you find important or issues in life or questions but also people have been communicating directly with Luann Panisi, who is going to be on, and she's got a whole variety of topics that you've written her about, and she'll be sharing those. Right now, I'd like to share a clip from Tucker Carlson. On some issues, I agree with Tucker. On others, I challenge him. In fact, I've sent him dozens of articles showing that he is wrong when it comes to his pronouncements on, for example, global warming and some other issues. But on some issues, he's spot on, in which case I want to acknowledge that. I don't believe that you're either with us or against us. I don't believe in black and white. I believe you know, that you're not Democrat or Republican or an ideologue. It's all like a cult. I believe in just look for the truth wherever it is and then focus upon that which we can show is the truth that can liberate us from false beliefs, from disinformation. And at a time where we keep saying we want the truth, especially about what's happening in our lives, that's adverse to our lives, then are we 
a safer society today than we were 20 years ago? Are we living longer today than we were in 1990 or 2000? Uh, is it easier to buy food today or more expensive? Are we getting better medical help today or worse? Do we have more sovereignty over our body and our mind and our children? Are they getting the kind of education that empowers them for the real world or not? These are legitimate questions. I am for immigration, providing it's done in a humane way to consider those people coming here for a better quality of life, but to prepare them in the country where they're at so they can speak our language, they understand how to assimilate into our culture so that there is a homogeneous mix that has made America so wonderful in its multiculturalism? Or do we simply open up the gates and allow anyone in? Good people, yes, but no jobs, no place to stay, uncertainty, enormous stress upon them and their family. That's unfair to them. But what about all the other things that are unfair to us? The terrorist. We don't know how many terrorists are in, but there's a lot of terrorists because a lot of them have been stopped. What about all the drugs, uh, drug providers with fentanyl and other drugs coming in from Honduras and working with the cartels? Billions of dollars is being made by the cartels. Is that fair? What about the people who are coming here with the gangs? One gang alone committed 165 crimes in one week in New York. Now that gang, according to its leader, is working with MS-13. And how is it we have all these gangs now concentrating and robbing stores and causing businesses to leave communities, businesses that were needed like drugstores and food stores, closing down? Why, why is it only in certain places? These are legitimate questions to ask. So if we're going to do something, why shouldn't we do it correctly, honestly, ethically, and not politically? Because today, everything seems political. And now they want to control your speech. Would you believe in Michigan? If a parent does not acknowledge their child's gender the way the child wants, or the school wants them, the kid can be taken away. Yes. So we're in a really challenging place. Let's watch this interview. It's a long interview. We're only going to watch about 15 minutes of it. And then you can agree or disagree. But we need to hear this. And by the way, for the people on television, on MSNBC, the authors, the articles in the New York Times, why haven't you taken on the establishment, the CIA, for illegally wiretapping the conversations, the legal conversations, which are, which are protected by law between a client and the lawyer in, in Great Britain? Why? Why no articles? Is that not important? It sure is important. Why are you not over there now writing articles about why the President of the United States should pardon Julian Assange and other whistleblowers? You printed their information. Your authors won Pulitzer Prizes with their information. Why are they going to prison for life and being treated with such disdain? And all they did was show corruption. Why aren't you showing corruption? Why? Why aren't you like Chris Hedges? Why aren't you doing interviews in Gaza like Abby Martin? Why aren't you going into, uh, into Ukraine like Max Blumenthal? Why do we have to go to other people 
when all the mainstream media should be telling us the truth. Ah, but then we find out that the mainstream media was extremely compromised. We found out that through, uh, and I want to thank Elon Musk for this, for losing tens of billions of dollars, one of the worst business investments possible. And what his ultimate motives are, we don't know. Let's just assume that he wanted to bring some truth to a platform. Where do we get most of our information? Where does the average American get their information? Wikipedia, right up at the top. Google, because Google will take you to Wikipedia, and Wikipedia will give you the information that is controlled by anonymous editors with no background in the field. And now we know how bad that is, how corrupt it is, how wrong it is. Facebook. Facebook changes algorithms. And this was proven by a professor that swung millions of votes over to Clinton in the last election. Hmm. That's, that's tampering. That's altering election outcome. Why has no one done a story on it? Not one story. And now Russiagate, four investigations, no such thing happened. Why is it Adam Schiff so in Congress? What's wrong with the people in California that voted him back? You want fascism? Well, you got it. Want pathological lying? You got it. But what about people who don't know what's going on behind the scenes? And now it's all exposed. You're no longer a conspiracy theory for saying that you're manipulating our information. How can I make an honest freedom of choice selection if the information I'm told to choose from is itself disinformation, propaganda? How many kids would be obese if the true information ad, you have an ad promoting a hamburger or a hot dog, or a donut, and right beside it you have an independent scientist, a nutrition scientist like myself, PhD in human nutrition and public health science, multidisciplinary degree, telling you the truth of what's going to happen in your body. How about when you see all those sexy, young, attractive people, you know, dancing and being so cool and drinking their vodka or gin or bourbon, and then I show you inside the body the death of millions of lung, lung, liver, kidney, brain, and heart cells. And those heart cells and brain cells can't be replaced. How cool is that then? What if we did the same thing over the last hundred years when people were smoking and showed you hospice care where people had had their tongues excised out, their throat, their voice box, their lungs, show them near death. Think people would have sit, done the same choices? I don't think so. What if in the 1940s and 50s they show people being sprayed with DDT? I was sprayed with DDT. The cut truck would come down the street and just throw off, and we were supposed to go out there and get the spray. You would see them spraying swimming pools. Well, I helped lead the charge that was started by Rachel Carson, really the... Rachel Carson and... and uh, Ralph Nader, the two most important people in American history when it comes to opening the doors to environmental truths. Today, you can't get those environmental truths. But look how many people were damaged because of DDT. How many soldiers were damaged because of Asian Orange, 245T? How many people were damaged by excess radiation from depleted uranium in their weapons in Iraq and Afghanistan? So you see, you have to have honest information from which you can make an informed choice. And we don't have that today. 
because they want to control all the information. France just passed a law. If you say anything critical of a vaccine, you'll go to jail for three years. Wow. France, what is, what, what's it like since you are a highly literate nation, you deep thinkers, uh, remind you something of the 1790s? Yeah, we're back there. So that's why honest information, uncensored, is essential to a healthy society. Whether you call it a democracy or a republic, you have to have truth. And we don't have it, except in the outlying web webcams and casts like this one. But Tucker, his numbers just showed with one, one podcast over 100 million people watching it. Put that in perspective, that's 10 times as many as Joe Rogan. And that's 100 times more than the New York Times. So, let's see what he has to say. The defining fact of the United States is freedom of speech. To the extent this country is actually exceptional, it's because we have the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights. We have freedom of conscience. We can say what we really think. There's no hate speech exception to that. Just because you hate what somebody else thinks, you cannot force that person to be quiet because we're citizens, not slaves. But that right, that foundational right that makes this country what it is, that right from which all other rights flow, is going away at high speed in the face of censorship. Now, modern censorship bears no resemblance to previous censorship regimes in previous countries and previous eras. Our censorship is affected on the basis of fights against disinformation and malinformation. And the key thing to know about these is they're everywhere. And of course, they have no reference at all to whether what you're saying is true or not. In other words, you can say something that is factually accurate and consistent with your own conscience. And in previous versions of America, you had an absolute right to say those things. But because someone doesn't like them or because they're inconvenient to whatever plan the people in power have, they can be denounced as disinformation and you could be stripped of your right to express them, either in person or online. In fact, expressing these things can become a criminal act and is. And it's important to know, by the way, that this is not just the private sector doing this. These efforts are being directed by the U.S. government, which you pay for and at least theoretically own. It's your government. But they're stripping your rights at very high speed. Most people understand this intuitively, but they don't know how it happens. How does censorship happen? What are the mechanics of it? Mike Benz is, we can say with some confidence, the expert in the world on how this happens. Mike Benz had the cyber portfolio at the State Department. He's now executive director of Foundation for Freedom Online. And we're going to have a conversation with him about a very specific kind of censorship. By the way, we can't recommend strongly enough. If you want to know how this happens, Mike Benz, B-E-N-Z, is the man to read. But today we just want to talk about a specific kind of censorship. And that censorship that emanates from the fabled military-industrial complex, from our defense industry and the foreign policy establishment in Washington. That's significant now because we're on the cusp of a global war. And so you can expect censorship to increase dramatically. And so with that, here is Mike Benz, Executive Director of Foundation for Freedom Online. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And I, and I just can't overstate to our audience how exhaustive and comprehensive your knowledge is on this topic. It's almost, it's almost unbelievable. Um, 
And so if you could just walk us through how the foreign policy establishment and defense contractors and, and DOD and, and just the whole cluster, the constellation of defense-related, publicly-funded institutions strip from us our freedom of speech. Sure. You know, one of the easiest ways to actually start the story is really with the story of Internet freedom and its switch from Internet freedom to Internet censorship because free speech on the Internet was an instrument of statecraft almost from the outset of the privatization of the Internet in 1991. Uh, we quickly discovered through the uh, efforts of the Defense Department, the State Department, and our intelligence services that people were using the internet to congregate on blogs and forums. And free speech was championed more than anybody by the Pentagon, the State Department, and our sort of CIA cutout NGO blob architecture as a way to support dissident groups around the world in order to help them overthrow authoritarian governments as they were sort of billed. Essentially, the internet, internet free speech allowed kind of insta-regime change operations uh, to be able to facilitate the foreign policy establishment's State Department agenda. Google is a great example of this. Google began as a DARPA grant uh, by Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they were Stanford PhDs, and they, they got their funding as part of a joint CIA-NSA program to chart how, quote, birds of a feather flock together online through search engine aggregation. And then one year later, they launched Google and then became a military contractor quickly. Thereafter, they got Google Maps by purchasing a CIA satellite software, essentially. Uh, and the ability to track, to use free speech on the Internet as a way to circumvent state control over media over in places like Central Asia or, or all around the world was seen as a way to be able to do what used to be done out of CIA station houses or out of embassies or consulates in a way that, that was totally turbocharged. And all of the Internet free speech technology was initially created by our national security state. VPNs, virtual private networks to hide your, your IP address. Tor, the dark web, to be able to buy and trail, uh, sell goods anonymously. End-to-end -end encrypted chats. All of these things were created initially as DARPA projects or as joint CIA-NSA projects to be able to help intelligence-backed groups to overthrow governments that were causing a problem uh, to the Clinton administration or the Bush administration or the Obama administration. And this plan worked magically from about 1991 until about 2014 uh, when there began to be an about-face on Internet freedom and its utility. Now, the high watermark of the sort of Internet free speech moment was the Arab Spring in 2011, 2012, when you had this one by one, all of the adversary governments of the Obama administration, Egypt, Tunisia, all began to be toppled in Facebook revolutions and Twitter revolutions. And you had the State Department working very closely with the social media companies to be able to keep social media online during those periods. There was a famous phone call from Google's Jared Cohen to Twitter to uh, not do their scheduled maintenance so that uh, Dis so that the preferred opposition group in Iran would be able to use Twitter uh, to, uh, to, to win that election. So it was an free speech was an instrument of statecraft from the national security state to begin with. All of that architecture, all the NGOs, the relationships between the tech companies and the national security state had been long established for freedom. In 2014, 
after the coup in Ukraine, there was an unexpected counter coup where Crimea and the Donbass broke away. And they broke away with essentially a military backstop that NATO was highly unprepared for at the time. They had one last Hail Mary chance, which was the Crimea annexation vote on, uh, in, in 2014. Uh, and when the hearts and minds of the people of Crimea voted uh, to join the Russian Federation, that was the last straw for the concept of free speech on the Internet in the eyes of NATO. As they saw it, the fundamental nature of war changed at that moment. And NATO at that point declared something that they first called the Gerasimov Doctrine, which was named after this Russian military uh, general uh, who they claimed made a speech that the fundamental nature of war has changed. You don't need to win military skirmishes to take over Central and Eastern Europe. All you need to do is control the media and the social media ecosystem because that's what controls elections. And if you simply get the right administration into power, they control the military. So it's infinitely cheaper than conducting a military war to simply conduct an organized political uh, influence operation over social media and legacy media. An industry had been created that spanned the Pentagon, the, the British Ministry of Defense, and Brussels into a organized political warfare outfit, essentially infrastructure that was created, initially stationed in Germany and in Central and Eastern Europe, to create psychological buffer zones, basically to create the ability to, to have the military work with the social media companies to censor Russian propaganda or to censor domestic right-wing populist groups in Europe who were rising in political power at the time because of the migrant crisis. So you had the systematic targeting by our State Department, by our IC, by the Pentagon, of groups like Germany's AFD, the alternative for Deutschland there, and for groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Now, when Brexit happened in 2016, it was, it, that, was, that was this crisis moment where suddenly they didn't have to worry just about Central and Eastern Europe anymore. It was coming westward, this idea of Russian control over hearts and minds. And so at, that was, Brexit was June 2016, the very next month at the, war, at the Warsaw Conference. NATO formally amended its charter to, to exp expressly commit to hybrid warfare as, their, as this new NATO capacity. So they went from, you know, basically 70 years of, of tanks to this explicit capacity building for, for censoring tweets if they were deemed to be Russian proxies. And again, it's not just Russian propaganda. This was, these were now Brexit groups or groups like Matteo Salvini in, in Italy. Uh, or in Greece, or in Germany, or in, in Spain with the Vox Party. And now at the time, NATO was publishing white papers saying that the biggest threat NATO faces is not actually a military invasion from Russia. It's losing domestic elections across Europe in, to all these right-wing populist groups who, because they were mostly working-class movements, were campaigning on cheap Russian energy at a time when the U.S. was pressuring this energy diversification policy. And so they made the argument, after Brexit, now the entire rules-based international order would collapse unless the military took control over media, because Brexit would give rise to Frexit in France with Marine Le Pen, to Spexit in Spain with the Vox Party, to Italexit in, in, in Italy, to Grexit in Germany, to Grexit in Greece. The EU would come apart, so NATO would be killed without a single bullet being uh, being fired. And then not only that, now that NATO's gone, now there's no enforcement arm for the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, or the World Bank. So now the financial stakeholders who depend on the battering ram of the national security state 
would basically be helpless against governments around the world. So from their perspective, if the military did not begin to censor the Internet, every, all of the democratic institutions and infrastructure that gave rise to the modern world after World War II would collapse. So you wait, can imagine wait, the wait, reaction may I, may I ask five you to months pause later, right, Donald right Trump there. won the 2016 election. So you, well, you just told a remarkable story that I've never heard anybody explain as lucidly and crisply as you just did. But did anyone at NATO or anyone at the State Department pause for a moment and say, wait a second, we've just identified our new enemy as democracy within our own countries? I think that's what you're saying. They, they feared that the people, the citizens of their own countries would get their way, and they went to war against that. Yes. Now, you know, there's a rich history of this dating back to the Cold War. You know, the Cold War in Europe was essentially a, a, similar, a similar struggle for hearts and minds of people, especially in Central and Eastern Europe, yes. uh, you know, in these sort of, you know, Soviet buffer zones. And you know, st starting in 1948, the national security state was really established then. You know, you had the 1947 Act, which established the Central Intelligence Agency, you had uh, you know, this, this new world order that had been created with all these international institutions. And you had the 1948 UN Declaration on Human Rights, which forbid the territorial acquisition by military force. So you can no longer run a traditional military occupation government in the way that, that we could in 1898, for example, when we took the Philippines. Everything had to be done through a sort of political legitimization process whereby there's some ratification from the hearts and minds of people within the, the country. Now, often that involves simply puppet, puppet politicians who are groomed as emerging leaders by our State Department. But the battle for hearts and minds had been something that we had been giving ourselves a long moral license leash, if you will. Uh, since 1948, one of the godfathers of the CIA, George Kennan, at, uh, 12 days after we rigged the Italian election in 1948, by stuffing ballot boxes and working with the mob, we pub published a memo called The Inauguration of Organized Political Warfare, where he said, listen, uh, it's a mean old world out there. We at the CIA just rigged the Italian election. We had to do it because if, if the communists won, maybe there'd never be another election in Italy again. So, uh, but it's really effective, guys. Uh, we need a department of dirty tricks to be able to do this around the world. And it's essentially a new social contract we're, we're constructing with the American people because this is not the way we've conducted diplomacy before. But we are now forbidden from using the War Department. In 1948, they also renamed the War Department to the Defense Department. So again, as part of this, this diplomatic onslaught for political control rather than it looking like it's overt military control. But essentially what ended up happening there is we created this foreign domestic firewall, we said, that we yes. have a department of dirty tricks to be able to rig elections, to be able to control media, to be able to meddle in the internal affairs of every other plot of dirt in the country. But this, this sort of sacred dirt on which the American homeland sits, will uh, they are not allowed to operate there. The State Department, the exactly. Defense Department, and the CIA are all expressly forbidden from operating on U.S. soil. Of course, this is so far from the case, it's not even funny. But... Uh, but that's because of a number of laundering tricks that they've developed over 70 years of doing this. But essentially, there's, there was no moral quandary at first with respect to the creation of the censorship industry when it started out in Germany and in, and in Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia and in Sweden and Finland. Uh, there began to be a more diplomatic debate about it after Brexit. And then uh, it was it became full throttle when Trump was elected. And what little resistance there was 
was washed over by the rise in saturation of Russiagate, which basically allowed them to not have to deal with the moral ambiguities of censoring your own people, because if Trump was a Russian asset, you no longer really had a traditional free speech issue. It was a national security issue. It was only after Russiagate died in, uh, in July 2019 when Robert Mueller basically choked on the stand for three hours. We're going to take a break now and uh, think about what you just saw. You could agree or disagree. I put controversial information on all the time. But remember, when I was giving controversial information throughout my entire career, going on ABC, never once censored, on WR, not censored, on EVD for 12 years, not censored. The only place I was censored was on Pacifica stations. Interesting, right? Priding themselves in freedom of speech and not so much. So now you have an opportunity to call in and share your points of view. 888-874-488. We're returning with your calls for the rest of the program. Please stay with us. Welcome back. By the way, we will play another 30 minutes of that next week. It is just a brilliant, insightful discussion about censorship. And to give you an idea of how bad censorship is, hopefully next week you'll hear from a Dr. Paul Thomas live on our program. He is a, a Portland, Oregon pediatrician. And he just had his license revoked for harming children. No, because he, he conducted a study and he compared the health outcomes between vaccinated and unvaccinated children in his practice, finding that the Unvaccinated children experience very few allergies, no ADHD, asthma, uh, autism, or infections. And compared to that, the vaccinated children suffered all the above. This led his work to being labeled, quote, a threat to public health. The news media sided with the establishment. The establishment brought in its uh, official pronouncement this was misinformation. And therefore, his truth was now considered a lie, very Orwellian. And then he lost his license. And that's happening everywhere. So we will be dealing with censorship in great detail and the whole rise of artificial intelligence. Oh, by the way, um, I want to thank Steve Brown for getting us up to date on that. But also, I have a clip next week on why artificial intelligence is denying uh, white images. If you ask artificial intelligence off Google to show you a picture of a Viking, uh, it would be an African Viking. Or the Signers of Declaration of Independence, all African. How did that happen? By intent. And you'll see the person who heads the ethics division of Google talking about equity in now Artificial intelligence. I warned you about this. Didn't I not say repeatedly, artificial intelligence is a problem because you know nothing about the dysfunctional dark side of the programmers. So any fears, limitations, biases, prejudice they have, they're going to put it into their programming, either consciously or unconsciously. Now we're seeing the effects of that, but in greater depth next week. Now we have Luann on the line, and uh, we're going to, first of all, see if we have any calls coming in. If we have calls, then we'll have a call from, or a notice, pardon me? Go to no. Luann. We'll go to Luann first, and then your calls as they come in at 
877-484-8888. Hi, Luann. Hello, Gary. Hi, everyone. Yeah, well, we've been getting <laughs> flooded with emails here. Uh, there's one very particular one I thought was very, very interesting from a gentleman named Ken. He said he came to one of your disco parties in the 80s, and there were these two tall women with you. Um, he said it almost like they were dressed in black, and it reminded him of the backup band for Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love DVD. He said, very tall, but boy, boy, oh boy, could they dance. Anyway, he says in, the, in his uh, email, he says um, his mom is, is in the health field, and even though she's in her 70s, it looks like she's 40. And we owe it all to watching you together with the classroom on the air. And when we see you in your old DVDs and videos and now today, you haven't aged a bit. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and, and now he says his mom wants to move to Florida because she's done with New York. She just can't stay there anymore. And she's asking you what's the best places to move in Florida. All right. Well, first of all, those two very tall women were very tall. My daughter is six feet, but one was Dr. Elaine Kahn. The other was Dr. Virginia Reed. They both had many things in common, the most devastatingly funny sense of humor. Uh, once a week, about anywhere from seven to 13 of us would go out to dinner. And uh, of course, we'd make fun of each other the whole time. And so if you had a, you know, Sensitive ego, you didn't want to come to that. Then we go to a movie or off-Broadway play or an uh, art film, then walk back uptown. It was just a wonderful experience. And, uh, but they loved dancing. And, uh, but they had that 1980s hairstyle, very up on top. And uh, so when you take a six-foot, and one was six-foot-one, when you take a six-foot-one woman and you have her hair bouffanted way up, she could look like she's 6'10". So needless to say, she, if you're a person looking up at her, you can look way up. In any case, in Florida, it depends upon why you're coming. It depends upon your financial uh, outlay, how much you want to spend. And it depends whether, whether you're a family or a single person or a couple, whether you're older or younger, and what your interests in life are. Because of the three states I would definitely recommend people moving to, they don't all have the same a compatibility with quality of life. But Florida is one, Texas is the second, and South Dakota is the third. There are others that are very good also, West Virginia being one. But as far as safety in being able to live a life without political dominance, like in Oregon or Washington State or the cesspool of cesspools in America, California, the people are nice, the politicians are terrible, but who votes for the politicians? The people. So what kind of cognitive disconnect you have? And what you have is you have a chimera of opposites, which means that no two beliefs, no two truths can share the same space with equal intensity at the same time. So we really don't have good people doing bad things or smart people doing stupid things. Only stupid people do stupid things and only bad people do bad things. But it can change depending upon what part of the duality of life you're living on. So if today you wake up and you're feeling really good and you're optimistic and you're going to go do something important with your life, you're going to honor this life. If you remember I said yesterday, we only have some people more, many people even less, 
than about five years of life where we can enjoy ourselves and do the things that our passion tells us we should do. Hang out, do nothing, do something, do hobbies, engage in constructive relationships, travel. That's not a lot of time. In fact, you're right close to sitting on a toilet for total amount of years you spent <laughs> being able to have a quality life. Your sleeping takes up a lot. Your work takes up a lot. Your commuting takes up a lot. Uh, time on the internet takes up a lot. So if you reorganized your time, then you would have time. The trouble is we feel we don't have the time because of all the stresses we're under. Or if you do have time, you don't want it to be threatened. So you move to a gated community. So if this woman is 40 years in her appearance, and probably her DNA, but 70 plus in her chronological age, I would not recommend that she moves to a gated community because there you go to die with pleasure. Uh, there was a time when you didn't have the pleasure. Uh, there was a time when, you know, have you ever watched mold growing? Well, just imagine a black mold. <laughs> black mold growing across someone's brain. That's Florida. Remember they used to say Tampa, St. Petersburg, and Clearwater were God's waiting room. Wow, what would George Carlin suggest about that? Well, I'm 100 years young. No, you're near death. <laughs> Just look down at that metaphorical toe tag. It gives you your expiration date. Maybe that'll wake you up. Maybe this day is meaningful. should be. When you can bring meaning into a day, suddenly that day will have meaning because your energy is going to be where you put your beliefs that day. So here's what I believe today. And you do something. You have a juice. You call a friend and just uh, talk with a friend or at least acknowledge other people how important and precious they are in your life. It may embarrass them, but say, I just wanted to give you an emotional hug because you're my friend for so long and you didn't have to be my friend. You chose to be my friend. And so that's one side of the chimera. The other side is, ah, what's the point? What's the point? Everything is corrupt. Everything is bad. And that's not true, but it can seem true if you only see part of the problem. What you're not seeing and want to see is the solution. Look how many people have come to the anti-aging group and we're down there and our second group, half the people on campus didn't follow the protocols. And thank goodness yep. the half that did had such spectacular results that even in the equation of half that got no good results and half that got good results, it still came up to a 15% good result adding 2.2 years onto a person's lifespan. But that wasn't true. As I argued to the 12 scientists who were on the line that day with you and, and the university's anti-aging and the, the World Congress on Anti-Aging Medicine and Life Extension Anti-Aging Foundation and American Academy of Anti-Aging, all these people were in the conference call. I said, this is how bad science is, and you all got to get over it. I said, and the way it works is if the one group had good results, another group had bad results, it would end up as a zero-sum gain. And you say, well, then it didn't prove anything. No. You proved something. It's no different than if you had one million looks for UFOs and could find nothing, but then you found one. Then you prove they exist. You cannot base any truth in life upon what doesn't work. I don't care how many times you've been betrayed. I don't care how many times you've been screwed over. I don't care how many times you've been lied to or abused at the emotional level or denied. That does not and should never be used as a balancing for equality of life. Equality of life is when your truth is then challenged 
by a super truth. Look up, speak up, reach up, grow up. And yet our society today is so morose that if people needed casting in the next Sunday night, Walking Dead, they would have 300 men willing participants without the makeup. So we're living in a time of deep apathy, deep distrust. But what about the people you can trust? What about the things that are working? What about the people who are happy? What about the relationships that are working? What about the people that can monitor their money? What about the people who are not in debt? What about the people who don't buy what they can't afford? What about the students before they go to school see, am I going to have a job afterwards? Or am I going to be living in my mother's basement masturbating four hours a day until my hands get calloused? Then my mother gives me a hand rub. So, (laughs) So those are... Uniquely California, I'm sure. <laughs> oh my God! So, and then we then we take a so we've got to understand you cannot have two truths simultaneously. You can't be happy and sad, good and bad. So when you're thinking bad, you're going to do bad. When you're thinking negative, you're going to do negative. When you're thinking positive, you're going to do positive. But then, what makes you motivated to continue it? What can be sustained? Well, if you want to come to Florida, and you're into fashion and beautiful people, then you go to South Beach. But it's not a place I'd I'd live in. I lived there for 15 years on South Beach, perfect place, had the most beautiful apartment there, and I gave it up because the energy changed. If I'd held on to that, I'd have made another $3 million. But I chose not to. I wanted quality of life. And that's why I bought the villa. Now, and look at the effort that was. So I gave up something that didn't have to be touched at all take something that was a lot of work, but it was worth it because you have to say what is sustainable. The weather. I wouldn't live on the ocean, the West Coast or the East Coast. When you got algae blooms on the West Coast, so you're up in your $3 million, um, uh, let's say Fort Myers condominium looking out over the ocean and it looks beautiful and then you look down at the ocean and you got a 40 mile wide going out in the ocean algae bloom and it's there for 10 months a year. And when you go down to the beach, you smell dead fish. Well, what do you do? Deny that? Yeah, just like we did in New York City, walking up Amistad Avenue from uh, 79 to 86, the smell of garbage, the garbage bag stacked outside, noise, and yet people denying that all that was there so they could have their meal out in an outdoor cafe. So you have to ask yourself, why do I want to be there? What do I want? Overall, the best environment is to be off the ocean. The best environment is not to be on the East Coast. That's the one that's most adversely affected by uh, global warming and the rise of the ocean. I would stay away from Gainesville, Orlando, uh, the whole East Coast I would say goodbye to. The best place would be from Fort Myers down through Naples, inland into the estates. Then here's what you get. You get a more reasonable cost. The closer you go to the ocean, the more real estate goes up. What was $50,000 an acre for just an empty acre uh, 10 years ago is now $300,000. And we're about to get hit nationwide with a real estate uh, depreciation. And by the way, Great Britain finally this week had to acknowledge they're in a recession. Well, we're going into a deep uh, recession because we just have too much debt and not enough uh, income and too many people are too poor to pay for even their life maintenance. So get out of places you cannot maintain a quality of life. Get away from any place that is environmentally dangerous and where you risk your life just walking out on the streets or in a subway. God just got killed yesterday on the subway in the Bronx. And that's the new norm. 
quality of life is where people can relax. People can relax, but they don't have fears. They don't have fears where the government says, if you commit a crime, you're doing the time. And in New York, you committed a crime a hundred times, and you're still allowed to do crime because someone was put into office with the money of George Soros who says, we have a different way of looking at crime and social equity. So low crime, wonderful human beings, um, and especially those who are looking for quality of life. That's the places, or northeast Texas, northeast of Dallas, uh, going clear up to the Arkansas and Louisiana borders. That's a great place to live, environmentally stable, not going to be hit by hurricanes, uh, and nice people. Get out of the metropolitan areas. Get away from the gated communities. Get away from the coast inland and get where you're in a homestead state. Because when you buy something in Florida, Texas, you're homesteaded, meaning no matter what happens, you lose a lawsuit, they cannot put a judgment against your car or your home. Why do you think so many wealthy people live in Florida? Because if they lose everything, they're not going to lose their home. In New York, you'll lose your home. New Jersey, you'll lose your home. Connecticut, you lose your home, and then they'll open up a Ben and Jerry's in your bathroom. So be careful about where you buy stuff. Then look, make sure you have the mineral rights. If you don't have the mineral rights, don't buy the land because someone's going to buy that land for mineral rights and they're going to put hydrofracking right on your property and legally they can do that. Look at Pennsylvania. Look at the people in Pennsylvania who didn't think it was a big deal until suddenly they had no clean air, no clean water, and noise constantly. And the law was on the other person's side, not theirs. So... That's where I would move. I would move out. If you're going to buy yourself some acreage, get out away from the coast, maybe 20 miles, and uh, then buy yourself five acres, and then build your dream home and be your own contract builder. Okay, hopefully that answers that. Let's say hello now to, is it G or J from Orange County? Hey, Gary, it's Jay. How are you? Good to Hi, Jay. You. Thanks for all you do. Uh, Gary, I have a couple of questions. One, uh, I guess the health one will go first. I know you spoke about food combining in the past, and it's very you know, complex. But if you take uh, digestive enzymes, can you have proteins and carbs at the same time? Yes, you can. But that's proper. It depends upon the kind of protein you're taking. If you're taking plant-based proteins, they'll digest with plant-based starchy vegetables and legumes, pulses, beans, nuts and seeds, leafy vegetables, they will all digest compatibly. If you take in an animal protein with a uh, sugar, let's say you have a piece of cheesecake or you have uh, you know, some chicken or beef, the fat is going to take a long time to digest. The sugars are going to break down very quickly and then you're going to get gas, bloating, indigestion. You also will get a dumping into the intestine and you won't get thorough digestion, which means you're not going to get thorough Elimination. So, uh, what's, I only have a minute. What's your second question? Uh, I think you spoke about a little bit uh, of the economy. I know the economy is what it is, but the stock market doesn't seem to recognize it. And I know you had some people on, you know, in the past that said uh, anywhere from 12 to 24 months, the stock market could be affected. That hasn't happened as of yet. But I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. When do you think the stock market may be affected by what's happening with the economy? Yeah, well, death doesn't happen in advance, does it? It happens when you least expect it. So we're never prepared for the inevitabilities of life. 
As a result, we don't look at how we can extend our life, nor do we look at uh, where we should put our money. Put your money in yourself, not into a bank. Invest in yourself. Gain the skills you need so you can determine how you're going to spend your money, what you're not going to buy, what you will buy, and is it sustainable? Is it helping you have a more solid and secure future? The average American is just spending money like crazy and also buying stuff they don't need and creating debt they shouldn't have. 70% of all people going to university now should not. They should go into trades or master things, go into a state university where they're going for a career that will be there when they get out. And they're not doing that. We're living through impulsivity. And partly that's because we have been conditioned to be impulsive, to buy something now, changing a want into a need. You need that dress. You need that vodka. No, we don't. But deconditioning yourself takes time. That's what we're going to be doing. I've got to run because we're out of time, Jay. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Just want to mention that um, I've got us. You know what I'm going to I'm going to hold... I'm going to hold our special because I don't want to run the next show. Uh, Luann, give people your email address if they'd like to email you with their questions and thoughts. Sure. It's whnn at aol.com. That's whnn, like William, Harry, Nancy, Nancy, at aol.com. Also, Luann is now, as of today, beginning to pre-select people for the upcoming May anti-aging number six clinical study. And uh, this is just because we had about 700 people try to get in the last one. And a lot of them didn't realize the discipline it's going to take, what they're, what's expected when you're on campus, and it's going to be done down at the villa. And I'm going to be there, and we have a roster of phenomenal speakers, workshop leaders, to help people detoxify, rejuvenate, and then understand how they can be healthy and add years on to their life. But it isn't for everyone. In fact, we, we've shown in our newest study, which is just going off today for pre-publication in a peer-reviewed journal, that there were the majority of people really benefited, both at home, the control group, and those on campus. But some didn't do well at all. And the reason is because they did not have the motivation to continue on a daily basis the good thoughts, the good actions, and the good outcomes. So if you're on campus and you can't be motivated, think of the people who are going to learn from home. How motivated are they? And that's where I'm putting my energy now, helping people be more motivated to stick with the protocol. But is there going to be, I'm not going to do any more of these anti-aging groups. It just takes too much time, money for me. And it takes about 12 to 1400 hours of pre, pre-research planning, uh, just to do the menus takes a week because every single dish is different. And I have to create five peer review published studies for every ingredient in every dish at every meal. Over a thousand different uh, peer review studies just on the menu, not including everything else we do, which has to show a science, a basis in good science. So if you want to de-age or make that effort, if you want to try to see if you can change unhealthy habits to ha- healthy habits, negative habits to positive habits, and deal with depression, anxiety, and all the other insecurities of life, this is what we're focusing on. Give Luann a call. Luann, give your number, please. Surely, it's 903-881-7008. That's 903-881-7008. Okay, everyone. Thank you all for listening. I look forward to sharing more on our next program. Have a nice day, everyone.